can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Back to life Back to movies we missed It's your whole chain and his janky friend Jane Did I say my name or did I say your name twice? I thought uh, it's unclear because I all I heard was and his janky friend Jane. And that's important. I'm happy you heard that. But I wasn't sure if before that I said my name or if I said your name. I wasn't sure what you said before that point because you weren't enunciating that well. That was that was the vibe I was going for. But OK, well, uh, let me just tell you didn't come through loud and clear. It's fine. You guys get the gist. You're here. It's movies we've missed. I'm your host, Brandon Greenhouse. And this is my lovely co-host, Jane Juliana Hammer. She's here, hoodied up for that wintertime (laughs) weather. Um, And before we get into the episode, um, I do want to let everybody know, if you're interested in keeping tabs on us and, you know, the various happenings in the Movies We Missed um, universe, then you can follow us on Instagram and at Facebook at Movies We Missed. And don't worry, you can find us at one of the most celebrated Twitter accounts on the internet, um, at MWM Chat. Jane curates that account. Um, It's really thoughtful. It's engaging. She's got a lot of conversations going. If you've been following us, you know that a lot of them right now are centered around the humanitarian work that she's doing Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. for her quote unquote big sis, Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, And so if you want to keep tabs of her, then you can always go over there and just, you know, find out what's going on, which is great, you know, because I mean, that's her journey and I'm just supporting my friend really. And, you know, love the sin or hate the sin. Um, Jane, how are you doing today? Well, I'm good, Brandon. I did notice that the Oscar nods came out this morning and I saw once again, your name was left off the list in every category you've been snubbed left and right and you know i want to i want to come here and publicly apologize for the academy because they're not going to do it am i right the erasure of me and lady gaga (laughs) from the academy awards um list (laughs) of recognition partly because i refuse to play ball in the ways that they want me to Mm. And this has been and going on. I'd love to know what ways that is. What ways do you refuse to play ball with the Academy? You're told certain things when okay. you when you're in you. Well, you don't know this because your life's different than mine. But when you are <laughs> operating in within Hollywood's elite circle. Right. You know, right. when you have actually literally set eyes on the Illuminati. I was um, just about to say Illuminati. That's so funny. Okay, it's like staring at the sun when you see mm-hmm. it in real life. And um, that's not Lou Malnati's. That's Illuminati. Oh, no. I'm, I frequent. I frequent Lou. Lou Malnati's. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so you're in touch with both. You're in touch with both. I am. I went in the room once. I was ushered. I was spirited away. I was at... Mm. Um, uh, I was at a key party at uh, Lusa Ball's home years ago. When are you not? And, <laughs> and I remember being sort of taken into a room and. Uh, By Liam Neeson. 
It was Lee, yeah, it was Liam Neeson. I was I was mm-hmm. taken. I was taken by him into you a were room. Tucked? And he said, Don't look exactly at the Luminati. They can do anything. They made me an action star. And I thought, <laughs> You're right, they did, because you only did thoughtful, like art house pieces before that. And he was like, You're done right. Now I'm bigger than Schwarzenegger. And I was like, What was that last part? And he was like, It's his name. <laughs> um, but I made sure that he didn't say, you know, the word that I know he says in private. We remember that story he told about looking for black people that beat up. <laughs> um, but I yeah, it was like standing up. Anyway, the sun. by the way, great accent. Thank you. Staying, and staying I, consistent throughout the whole thing. I mean, well, now all the more reason why the confusion around me once again being left out of the Oscar nominees. Being snubbed. Yeah, absolutely. For me not to end up, the best actor category was sort of like, eh, whatever. Me and Denzel were both up for McBee. He mm-hmm. called me right before. Begged me. Who did to you who did you away. play in Mac, who did you play in Macbeth? I wasn't in the movie. They wanted me for that oh. part. Oh, Denzel. you were you were up for the part, and you were like, "No, no, no, I'm busy. Give it to Denzel. He's not working a lot." He and texted he, that, me. That kid could use sort of a leg up. Is that sort? Is that? He texted me. He begged me for it, and I oh, said okay. to him, "I was like, you're thought you're spoken of as one of the best actors of your generation, and you're calling me, begging me for parts." And he said, <laughs> "That's because everything that I am is because of you." Mm. And I was, mm-hmm. I remember I And then I said, he started playing Because of You by Kelly Clarkson, I'm sure. Just well, he played Because You Love Me by your girl Celine Dion, actually. But, oh, okay. Um, okay. Weird choice, but. But he was like, every role I've ever had has been like a scrap that you've given me. And I said, yeah, yeah doy. Um, <laughs> but I took some time off to focus on my family and my floundering marriage. And mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a part mm-hmm. of why I didn't take that role. The thing that shook me was that yes. I wasn't in the best actors category. That's well, the that's thing the that thing. I'm it was, that's. Well, that is the thing that I kept looking at the list over and over again, and I kept refreshing, and I was like, there's got to be some sort of mistake, because I don't see Brandon McKay Greenhouse anywhere around the list, anywhere in or around the list, anywhere near. There wasn't even, uh, I mean, and the money you spent on those four consideration campaign campaign posters is insane. The photos with me draped in faux fur. Um, mm-hmm. And nothing underneath, just my body. Um, yep. <laughs> but like a and little bit of. It's spelled B A W D Y. Of course. And yeah. my cascading hair. I was giving them Veronica Lake tees. And, of course. Um, apparently that's considered gauche by some of the members of the Academy, but. It didn't, it wasn't received well on in every venue, we'll say. And so that was, I was. But it was right. received in every venue. Everyone Absolutely. received it. Everyone Absolutely. received it. I think you're referring to my sexual prowess and what I did lobbying for the award. But I'm saying um, I, I who I have no receive, influence and is not oh. part of the Academy received a mailer. <laughs> it was just you draped in faux fur, almost naked in front of a big pool that wasn't yours. I think it was a, 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 a I don't even think you rented the it house, was, right? You just ran in, you broke into a property, took a few pictures and ran out. Is that the... First of all, nobody right? owns anything. Okay. Um, yeah, and so, that's right. I will believe it. We are all on Stolen Land, baby. <laughs> and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a faux fur. It was faux canchilla. Um I spent what? a lot of, a <laughs> lot of ducats on that. And, um, you know, heads are going to roll. Because you understand that you don't have to do anything fancy to say the word chinchilla. You can just, it just is pronounced as. I know why you would think that. I know how you okay. are. I know the way you move through the world. Um, <laughs> but I, I've done a lot of big things. I was at Fire Festival. So I, I understand how the world works and I understand how money moves. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't get the best actress nominee nomination. That was shocking for me and a lot of my fans. Yeah. 
Um, I did uh, before we do um, go to the movie officially. I did want to ask one more thing about the Oscar nominations while we're recording, while we're on air. Was there anybody that you saw under the best actress list that um, I don't know might make you feel like uh, <laughs> you might have to change your thinking about a certain actress who has risen through the ranks and really improved um, from where she started to where she is now. <laughs> is there anybody on that list that you might think might fit that category? Let me look real quick. <laughs> Do you really not know um, who I'm referring to? I, you know, I was surprised to see Nicole on there, but I know okay. that she's an nope. icon and um, <laughs> was not and, uh, referring to Nicole Kidman, a legend and a natural beauty. And I heard she didn't wear a- any makeup in that film. <laughs> Anybody Very else nice. on the list that you, again, might want to apologize to for bad mouthing um, on and off the podcast? I know who you're talking about. You're who? talking about you're talking about my homegirl, the one who I came up with, Miss Olivia Coleman. And we don't have any bad okay. blood between us. I was up for the queen. I was <laughs> up for the queen and I turned it down. <laughs> and I that's remember. actually not who I'm referring to. And so Olivia again, I'm gonna give you one more scrap. chance I remember to put it. your tail between your legs because and po- apologize to Olivia texted me it. And Olivia Coleman texted me and I remember she said oh my god I didn't realize how tiny you were they're having to take out all the costumes because your measurements are insane and I said and I remember I told her I was like me and Marilyn Monroe basically have the same measurements which is why I can wear like I can wear vintage I can wear vintage gowns that Marilyn Monroe wore so um that was that but that's it that's everybody that I felt any sort of Jessica Chastain that's my girl so um but yeah that's it I said everything I needed to say you know they all should be thanking me for my name not being in the category because we don't know what that would have meant for them all. Turmoil. Can you tears. can you technically can you go out for best actress and best actor? I know gender is a construct, so I'm just wondering. I submit myself you... in both categories every year. Oh, okay. <laughs> I also did a documentary on Conjunction Junction that didn't get any nominations either. <laughs> Nobody's asked me about well, my function, and so <laughs> I'm. I think people here. were probably asking what that function was. So. It's a lot of stirring up, you know, mm. stirring up drama, you know, kicking ass and taking names. But, but yeah, no. I just, I do. I'll just, I'll just end this segment with saying, Justin, Justin, <laughs> fuck, Justin, fuck Justin Kelly. No, <laughs> Justin Guarini. Justice for Justin Guarini, everybody. Justice. Wait, hold on. Chris- that sounds like I think that he should no. have been American Idol. I did not think that, by the way. I don't want anybody thinking Kelly Clarkson's an icon. Okay, just wanted to get that out there. I don't think anybody <laughs> thought that. <laughs> I just wanted to be, to be clear. <laughs> and it's important to clarify, so I'm going to clarify again my statement. Justice for Kristen Stewart. Anyways. Oh, was she nominated? And congrats to her performance in Spencer was breathtaking. You haven't taken the time to see it. I, I haven't had the, the time to see it. But. I, I uh, full disclosure did not love the movie, but I thought her performance was really amazing. Um, do you want to talk about the movie we picked today? Let's do it. I, I'd love to hear your um, synopses of the movie, though. If you, of course. Well, if you press play, you know what movie we're talking about already. We're talking about Before Sunrise, the. (laughs) 
1995. I couldn't remember. I didn't know. I didn't know why you were pausing. I was like, what's happening right now? I was totally blanked on the year. I've I knew it the whole time, but I just like it totally. That was the first year that you ran for Congress. So you should remember it. Well, it's a significant year for me because I was in elementary school being young and beautiful. Used to call her gerrymander Jane. (laughs) She had a lot of fucked up politics. Anyways, the 1995 masterpiece that is before sunrise, I shall take my synopsis. Please gird your loins. Gird? What does that mean? Gird? I don't know. I've just heard it somewhere. Oh. I I think gird means to brace yourself. Um, I don't know. I'm not looking it up. Silence. You are a 23-year-old, gorgeous, carefully... Excuse me. Let me do that word time. I read this out loud like eight times before we started, and I kept reading it to Tara, and I kept saying, I kept stumbling on the word carefree. Didn't change the word. Kept it in. Okay. You are a 23-year-old, gorgeous, carefree, blonde French woman traveling alone by train. You're chugging along through Eastern Europe on the way home to Paris from Budapest after visiting your grandmother. While staring wistfully out the window and reading, you hear an elderly couple start to argue. Frustrated with the noise, you decide to move seats. Sitting across from you is a man who appears to be about your age. You make eye contact several times. He leans over, asks if you understand what they're arguing about. He asks in English, revealing himself to be American, knowing that the only group of people who instantly assume you speak their language is from the good old red, white, and blue. You don't really care. You rag on him about it and then decide to have a meal together in the dining car. What follows is an earnest and revealing conversation about childhood, traveling, reading, and personal aspirations about terrible cable access show ideas without even knowing each other's names. You decide not to hesitate with the truth since you'll only be together until the train reaches Vienna in a few stops, where he'll catch a flight back to the States the following morning. And just as quickly as it started, it's over. He leaves and a quiet sadness fills the train car as you are alone once again. But as if he can hear you thinking, he comes back and he makes you an offer. Get off the train with me. Spend the day walking around Vienna with me. Aren't you curious about what more could happen? Don't make this a what-if moment. Life is full of regrets. Let's not add to the list. Don't miss this. Let's make everything count before sunrise. So I ask you this, dear listeners. Would you get off the train? Ooh. Provocative (laughs) question. (laughs) Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about it myself. Yeah, I mean, well, you have to sort of like, obviously, like, translate yourself back to like a specific moment in time we're both mm. at this point i'd say tethered um mm. in, in marriages <laughs> that are fledgling mm-hmm. um at best uh, mm-hmm. so yeah what's it like to think about a world where we'd listen to each other on our respective wedding days mm. um when the other person <laughs> said are you sure you want to do this this person's toxic it's going to be heartache <laughs> and pain kid um, the car is on, and all you famously, do is walk, walk to it. Famously, and when Jane not. walked down the aisle, I jingled 
keys mm-hmm. in her face as she passed mm-hmm. me and said, we can still get out of here mm-hmm. audibly. Everybody heard he, me. And he, he did one of those loud whispers. You know what I mean? It's a stage whisper. That's what it is. We can still get out of here, sis. Exactly. Your so life's not over yet. My entire family heard. <laughs> my wife-to-be heard. And, um... It's you been know. called appalling um, mm-hmm. by some, um, but I like to think of it as, you know, a r- real recognizing real and just, you know, taking one more moment. But I mean, we're where we are now. So all we can do is sort of stare off into, you know, the blank spaces in the walls and wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, I mean, it touches, you know, you find yourself thinking about a specific moment in time. You obviously, I have, you know, traveled to parts of Europe, but it was like as an adult or part of like, no, when I was in grad school, I I, I mean, I, I I spent time in Moscow and um, a, a little bit of time in St. Petersburg for a summer. And that was fun mm-hmm. and really amazing experience. But I wish I'd been looking out for some, you know, PYT out there um, and maybe had my little my little moment in the sun, you know, and you yeah. obviously Jane was the princess of Spain for a number of years before, you know, <laughs> she's always going to be the princess of Boston, but she was the princess of Spain mm-hmm. for a moment where, you know, everybody there adored her and loved her. Um, I had to eventually abdicate, but you know, um, I did spend some time there. I was there for about a year and I, well, like a academic year basically. And, um, I did a lot of traveling with people and with myself. And this movie actually reminds me of a very specific um, situation that I did have. And I was thinking about myself while watching this movie. I'll, oh, wow. I'll tell you what it, it, it it's 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 not the same thing, but it's the same like it's a, it, well, I'll just tell you now because I mentioned it. But um, when I was 19, I was <clears throat> traveling in Dublin and I was with friends but like we were kind of you know doing our own thing and I was at a bar and ended up meeting this just like group of um, Trinity College students and there was everyone got really trashed and I was not that drunk and there was this guy Jimmy there I'll never forget his name was Jimmy I have no idea what his last name is I'll never I'll probably never know um and he was also not as drunk and so we ended up talking a lot and hung out and all of the other people like went home and the bar that we were at ended up closing down and we were like let's walk around and like go somewhere else and we ended up walking pretty much all night and just like talking and like it wasn't like a romantic thing like we were it was just very friendly like getting to know each other and like just talking about our lives and like he was you know a student who's studying architecture and we stayed up until the sun came up and like we're walking around parks in Dublin and all over the city and like I was so fucking tired by the time I actually got home. But it was one of the coolest nights I'd ever had. If I were to raise up out of my body as a 37-year-old woman now, I'd be like, do not spend the fucking night walking around with a guy you barely know, like, all night, you know, having this conversation. That is so dangerous. And when I first... But, like, I'm so glad that I did that because I will always 
I always think about him. There are certain things that like will trigger a memory of him, something he said. Um, and I have like tried to look him up on Facebook, but I have no idea what his last name was. Never found out. Oh, so just you just got Jimmy, Jimmy. Trinity, Trinity College. Trinity College. Circa, like how could, like 1997 probably or something like that. How dare you? <laughs> it was 2005, I think. 2005. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, that <laughs> that yeah. is kind of like a, that's a sweet story though. It was very sweet. He was so nice to me. Like I, you know, it was like just this person that like, I, you know, I had again, like a really good connection with and really wanted, like really wanted to spend time with him. Why do you think you guys didn't exchange information? I don't know. We didn't talk about it in any sort of like in this movie. They obviously talk about it in like a very yeah. romantic way. We just never talked. How about did it end? We he walked me back to the hostel that I was staying and he was like, hey, are you in town more? And I was like, yeah, you know, we might go and end up going to the same place or whatever. And I think maybe he was just like nervous to ask me for um, my number or my email or whatever, but he didn't ask me. He's like, maybe, you know, maybe I'll see you at the same bar. And we did go back to the same bar like a couple nights later, but I never saw him again. You know, it's interesting because like one of the questions that I saw or one of, one of the reasons I saw Richard Linklater, um, mentioned as a part of like creating this story was sort of the question of, well, not the question of, but sort of the ways in which being in uh and, and why he said it where he said it, because I read that he was sort of inspired by a, by a meeting that he had with a woman he met in a mall in like 89 named her name was Amy, apparently. Um, and yeah, that was I thought it was least, a toy store in Philadelphia. Maybe it was a toy store. What did I yeah. say? Did I say Philly? You said a mall. Oh, my bad. So it's probably a toy story in, in Philadelphia that wasn't in a mall, maybe. Um, <laughs> but they ended up just walking and talking all day. And it looked in his co-writer um, on the film. She yeah. had a similar experience. Kim Krizan, um, who I believe he'd worked with on Days and Confused, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, she's um, an actor and writer. She's an I actress think. and a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she had a, seri- a an experience um, where she met a Norwegian man on the way to Paris and ended up walking mm-hmm. around the city all night, similar to this. Although mum was the word apparently when they asked if there was any sort of romance. I guess a girl doesn't kiss <laughs> and tell. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah. I mean, just like thinking about that, like I did that in a very like well, at least it wasn't romantic on my end. You know what I mean? I. I I don't know how Jimmy felt. Obviously, I'm very easy to fall in love with. But um, there was it is like that's the thing, I think, too, about like being young and traveling by yourself. Like sometimes you just end up like spending very intense, short amount of time with people that you will never see again. And that's happened to me several times. Like I, you know, there's so many people from like studying abroad that I spent time with that, like, I don't even know where they are now. Some of them I still keep in touch with, but a lot of them it's like, I was with you for a week. We had a ton of fun, but I don't know where you're at now. Do you agree? Linklater said, you know, a part of why they said it in, in um, why they said the movie where they said it um, was because he wanted to sort of exp- 
explore the ways that we are able to become uninhibited when we are in a foreign place. Yes. And uh, I, do you think that's true? Oh my God, absolutely. I was also in a p- place where it was like, I had just, you know, left high school and now I'm in this like foreign country and like leaving high school and finding yourself, you know, is like an experience in and of itself where you try mm-hmm. on a bunch of different hats and see who you are, but then you drop yourself into like this, you know, into um, this incredible like European adventure where you're just like try on every hat and like try on every experience. Like I may never have this opportunity to do something like this again. And like truly since then, I really haven't had an opportunity to do something like that again. You know, I've traveled, but in a very different way. And so like I said yes to everything. And I was in situations where I, and I was luckily very safe all like, everywhere that I went, I only had like one or two situations where I felt like nervous or threatened or uncomfortable. Um, But (laughs) the older woman in me now is like thinking about the situations that I said yes to. And was like, I could like, there are two paths. You could, this could be the coolest thing you've ever done, or this could be, um, you know, this could show up on Dateline. You know what I mean? You never know. But that still wouldn't have ever stopped me from saying yes. And I'm glad that I didn't, you know, or I'm glad that I did say yes and didn't say no, because now I have all these experiences. But yeah, it's hard. And I was thinking about this when I first watched this movie, when he makes the offer to her and he's like, will you come with me? I know this is crazy, but like, I think there's something here. And because she'd already spent, you know, we don't know how long, maybe an hour, maybe it was a couple hours with him. Like there was a certain amount of trust she had for him. Although you don't really know anybody in until you know them. Um, But I kept thinking about, whether or not I would go, and the answer is always yes for me. I would always go. Do you think you would? I think I want to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. I think I always, I feel like when I, anytime that I've been like traveling, I feel like I'm so, I'm, I'm even, I don't know what that is. I'm even more conscientious of like things. And I wish, I didn't feel this way. We have family, um, I have family through marriage, cousins in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really feel that way there, but I also was in Germany with actual German people sort of yeah. guiding me and taking me to places. So there's this inherent feeling of like... And it's family. It's people you know. You know what I mean? There's this feeling of connection that you have. And um, so... And I, I feel like just... that is um, a kind of a different experience than what you're talking about. And I also, you know, obviously have a certain way of looking at the world as a result of being, um, being, being a part of that experience with people that I know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's different. It's just, it's just a different, um, it's just a different experience when I was in, you know, before also I was there with like a program studying and I think that really dictated things. I would find little moments to do things and like go to restaurants and things like that. But I don't think that like, 
I wasn't open in the same in that same way. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And so I feel like in a way, but I feel you are like, also older. That's the thing too. Is like when I did this, I was so young that I sure. didn't even know that I needed to be that nervous. And I think that was. That that was a gift in a lot of ways because I did not I did uh, and like incredible like ob- obviously all of this is incredibly privileged and that goes without saying but I didn't I had the privilege of not knowing that I should really be afraid of these things. I know I I feel you I feel like because I actually was around the age that they were in this film so that's mm-hmm. why I think about it when I went when I was in grad school and we went there I think that that's why I think about it no because they were 23 in this film you went to grad school and you're a little bit older no I didn't I went to grad school when I I was how old was I I was 24 okay no. so I may yeah I was I went to grad school in 2010 I wasn't I, I started school I, I don't I think I just turned 24. So I was 25 or, or maybe 26, I guess, when I was there. Okay. So a couple years older than them. But like, okay, I didn't. But I'm saying I, I was never at a moment also where I was alone on like a train and like a beautiful Frenchman like started a conversation with me. And, you know, it was like, get off here. <laughs> but I also would not have done that. I would have been like, nope. <laughs> You're gonna want to move on to the next clown, who's yeah, because <laughs> it's gonna not get... gonna be me. It's not exactly. gonna be me. <laughs> as my as my mother says, you know, what does she, what does she say? You you looking for the day, man? Because I'm on a night shift. Um, <laughs> well, I was so... just I was just dumb and young enough to be flattered by any attention, too. But let's. But that's. But also, also, me at that time, if like I, I was still sort of dealing with my sexuality in many mm-hmm. ways. So if I had, if I had been, if I'd met someone and had the kind of connection that they had, and had a couple of hours to like have a conversation, who knows? Because there's something sort of, there is something sort of non-committal about it. But obviously, mm-hmm. I speak also from like the privilege of being like a tall large man like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean short of like you putting something in a drink that you give me it's going to be difficult to like overpower me i guess there's a possibility of that or you pulling out a weapon but i mean the the dangers are limited in in, in certain regard you know and so it's like that is true but like i also think that if I if I'd had you know this hour or two hour conversation with a person, and you know one of my favorite books of all time, so we were talking about it this weekend. Uh, Jane and I saw each other at a friend's home this weekend, and we were discussing James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. books. And it's you know it's rom- it's this romantic story about this mm-hmm. American you know falling for um, this this man in Paris, and so it's like I. I I get it. Like I, I get that and I like of I course. think that kind of thing tugs at my heartstrings and I'm such a romantic. So mm-hmm. I feel like I would like to believe that. I wonder but you know what I ask myself even now is like say there's a world in which like Dave and I, you know, we we aren't together and like I mm-hmm. found myself traveling in Europe. Like even now, would I I think now I would I think now I would be more likely to go for it than I would have been, you know. And there's something to be said for like gay people, queer people sort of 
us getting to experience these things later than some of our straight, totally. you know, hetero counterparts because mm-hmm. it takes us longer to sort of be able to make contact with those parts of ourselves that are like celebrated, you know, for, you know, cis hetero people at a very young age, like cis het people, you know, have the space to sort of love and experience it and are, and are encouraged to, you know, in their teens, yeah. you know, and like we're too busy suppressing things to really, you know, have that. Totally. So it's like, totally. And so that actually comes different. up in the movie too because it's like they're so young they're around 23 we I don't think we ever find out how old um Jesse the Ethan Hawke character is but I think they're around the same age and the way that they talk about relationships is so experienced in a way that I did not really have at 23 I didn't have no. all of these relationships to like reflect back on in that way because well I don't know I, I mean for a number of reasons I think queerness is part of it but also insecurity and just um, you know general like <laughs> per, like just who I was in high school and that kind of stuff and so you know it's inter- but uh, you know have a I ha- had and have a lot of heterosexual friends who dated constantly and consistently from the time they were like 15, you know, to to now. And so, yeah, that you gain a lot of experience in that sense. And so that's why they can so freely talk about those kinds of things. For sure. Like if I was at that age and wanted to share experience about relationships and it's like, oh, I, <laughs> I don't really I haven't had many of those at this point. Same as I mean, I'm, I was in that same boat. That's why I think that's why I kind of feel like if it was to happen later in life for me, mm-hmm. I think I would probably be more inclined. Also, if I had like a drink or two in me, I would mm-hmm. be more inclined to say, what the hell? <laughs> like, this is a place I wasn't planning on visiting, but like, I'm going to do it. Like, you've convinced me. And if I and if I genuinely felt like there was like a real connection there and like mm-hmm. inherently like trusted the person you know because that's something I will say about my husband is like from the moment I met him I knew I could trust him for some reason and so I will say that like in an environment where you meet a person and they just you connect with them and you just know that something's Mm -hmm. different here and when you and you are aware I think of the differences you know and so clearly these two characters Mm -hmm. it it had had to be it had to be meeting one another at a specific time and if it wasn't for the German couple getting into the fight and um, you know at the very beginning she's sitting across on the train from this German couple that are fighting apparently about like alcohol apparently there's an article about like women (laughs) being 70,000 and women being alcoholics and then he says you're one of them and she says if I'm an alcoholic it's because of you and so I'm like work and like if it wasn't for that but they don't put subtitles no uh, which I love which I which I thought was great because it's like huh I wonder what they're arguing about and finding that out was fun um, and then but like all of these little moments that have to happen in order for certain things to occur and so I think that that in and of itself speaks to sort of the um that romantic um, that romantic sort of quality and I mean I think Mm -hmm. that this movie sort of poses a question that most people even if they think to themselves I would never do it to see people doing it is empowering in a way absolutely Um, and I think this is funny because I was actually talking to um, a friend so I'm like I I would be more cautious now if if I was in a situation where that happened to me but I would like every time I think about it I would do it at every stage of my life Um, but 
I was talking to a friend of mine who is unfortunately a white straight guy and I told him <laughs> that I was watching this movie for the podcast and he does not he is not a person who watches a ton of movies he doesn't watch a ton of TV but he was like oh my god that's like my favorite movie I have to watch it at least once a year to be reminded that um, love exists and the it, and it came up because he had said he had a situation where he matched with someone on Tinder like two years ago and um, because they happened to be in the same place. And then he moved to New York City and he's living there now. And he matched with her again on a different site, on a different dating app. And he messaged her and was like, oh, my God, like they had had conversations but never actually met up and he was like oh my god are you in I didn't realize you were from New York City and she was like no I'm from Georgia I'm just on vacation visiting and he was like oh I didn't know you're from Georgia like I didn't know you're from the south or whatever and she's like no I'm not from Georgia the state I'm from the country Georgia and I'm only here for like a couple of days and I was like oh my god you have to meet her that's like a that's like a meet cute and he was like I'm not gonna meet her what am I gonna do like she's she's gonna go back to Georgia in a couple days and like you know I'm never gonna see her again like I don't think so and I was like this is this I was like I maybe I'm feeling super romantic because I just watched before sunrise but you have to do it um and he is a very cynical person but he said this movie is a movie that he watches once a year because he has to be reminded that love still exists and so i don't actually don't think he's gonna go on the date but i was pushing for it (laughs) i think he oh totally right you never know i mean if anything a wonderful meal and some good company like what's the alternative you know but exactly um, i was like it doesn't matter if she lives in queens or lives in georgia the country like anything could happen you know oh absolutely i i I agree with you 100 like you you never know and i mean if anything you walk away with this wonderful experience um Mm -hmm. i do want to point out several things i like to provide these little so this movie was released on january 27th 1995 Mm -hmm. um box office of 5.5 million on a budget of 2.5 million um You know, obviously, this was a small. Um, it, I said it feels like a foreign film, but it it is, but it isn't, but it feels like one. You know, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just, I, I, I did. I, I really thought, um, I thought that there was a lot of really fun moments in it. I really liked the way that. Um, yeah, Dave, you're right. Dave said romance is taking a chance. I really like. Yeah, every time. I like the way that she starts taking the piss out of him really early on. Yeah, um, in this really sort of like playful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment where I mean, she's absolutely right when she says, "Oh, you're an American, so of course you only speak one language." Yes, the roasting. And it's just, it's just the truth of it. It's it really the truth. Is. Yeah, um, and it's like I love we just that. Go to other countries and speak our one language slower, and it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is not that's not how things have ever worked nor will they ever well okay so i have two things to say about that because that was like the, the hint to me really early on so i actually went into this movie thinking that i was gonna hate it and i ended up really loving it um because i was worried that it was gonna be so pretentious and not age well which is not the case at all um i mean of course there's a little pretension but every good movie has some um and I ended up 
Like, it was within that first moment where she calls him out and roasts him that I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, and my first thought was me, to me, was like, remember to look this up because I know this is written by Richard Linklater, but I know that there was a woman involved in, in writing this character as well. Like, there just has to have been. Um, and it turns out that, obviously, um, <clears throat> he did have a writing partner on it. And we, I know we said her name earlier, and it's escaping me now. Um, Kim Krizan. Kim Krizan. And then also, Julie Delpy was really involved in a lot of the re- rewrites and was uncredited. Ethan Hawke as well. And they Ethan Hawke as well. They did. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, that was, like, just such a big clue to me. And then throughout the movie itself, I kept waiting for um, moments where, like, anytime Ethan Hawke's character, Jesse, said something that I thought was wild or sexist or stupid, she always came back at him and called him out and I was like I love this like there's no moment where I was like he said that she let it fly that makes me not like this couple you know what I mean yeah so I yeah I loved that I was gonna say it I, I read that they did these sort of controlled improvisations at times with the script mm-hmm. to sort of play around and that was something that um we did when I was in um my master's program and it was always really interesting you sort of create like a set of given circumstances and then you work from within them just to sort of see what it what rises up from from those from those I guess sort of like vignettes almost like these like these snapshots of life you have to have an understanding of the characters and who they are and their points of view in order to do it um, mm-hmm. and it's nice if you have some sort of parameters because it keeps it from sort of flying off the rails but it was always an interesting exploration even if I was working on a scene obviously that's like a written scene if we're working on Henry Gibson or if we're working on August Wilson like these are plays that are understood to to exist in like the cultural uh, you know they're part of the cultural lexicon and like mm-hmm. there's no room for you to be like rewriting these plays but like but it creates yeah, you're space. not gonna like Judd Apatow <laughs> direct no, we're the not, play <laughs> no we're not doing this but we are but we are sort of exploring a world outside of this world and we're also through doing it these plays have been done hundreds and thousands of times we're creating something that is unique to us and then you sort of are able to sometimes use those experiences to give more meaningful subtext to Mm -hmm. the dialogue that is on the page and Mm. you know a raised eyebrow or a lilt in the voice can be extremely informative on like the journey of the character so it's a very like experiential way of dealing with text and dealing with a script that and in an environment like this it's even better because some of that really wonderful stuff that comes out that comes up out of those conversations makes it into the script and it serves to sort of um, create more of a solid foundation and a groundwork for you but also for your fellow actors to work from because mm-hmm. I had that epiphany sort of not an epiphany at all but at, towards the end of the movie where I was like wow this is literally just two people and I remember yeah. at one point Dave said something about them not liking each other or wondering if they liked each other or something and I thought they had to they did three of these oh, um, but yeah, also like it would have been a nightmare to do a movie like this with somebody that you didn't feel Im- that you didn't implicitly trust because of that. Of so, course, yeah. I do have I one question. I'm sorry. I do have one question for you. Do yeah. you think were you watching this movie and thinking to yourself, Troy's talking about Leilana? Leilani. <laughs> Leilani. Were you thinking okay. that at any point? Because that was definitely like a vibe Wait. that I thought really early on. Where did okay so. 
It's funny because Oh, I'm like, sorry. We're talking about reality bites, by the way. Sorry. Um yes. <laughs> that we, we reviewed reality bites um a couple months ago on the podcast, and that was ninety-four. <laughs> and so this movie came out the year after Reality Bites, and there's a huge you know, romantic storyline in that movie that centers around Troy, who is sort of like this moody grifter. He's a poet. Um he also like performs in a band and he's at times insufferable. He's in <laughs> love with the late la- episode thirty. Thank you, our producer doing his work. Yeah, um, yeah we've had a podcast where we've been on the air for long enough that I can say a couple months ago on episode 33 of our podcast. Um, but but yeah, so, so but they have this relationship that's the center of it. And they're often, you know, in this sort of like they find themselves in these stalwarts um, and stalwarts. Is that the word? Maybe that's not the right word. I'm not sure what that means. So I don't know. I, I think it may be the wrong word. Ignore me. I'm an idiot. Um, but they find themselves in these sort of like in these sort of ideological this sort of ideological tugs tugs of war tug of wars yes. um, about a variety of topics and mm-hmm. s- but that character reminded me a lot of this character albeit a, a slightly more placid version but I uh-huh. and a little bit more agreeable but I did have moments right. where I thought I was getting like a very similar vibe and then when she called him out for his greasy hair which I was like roast him I know I loved that she did that. White people and like wait, hold on. That's that's unfair of me to say. But it is like a thing sometimes. White people say? white people like oh, vibe off of like greasy hair and like it's sometimes it's a whole mood, isn't it? Am I am I wrong about that? First of all, never apologize for roasting white people on this podcast. <laughs> I just felt bad. So I didn't mean to say that all white people have greasy hair. I was just saying, no, I know it's su- like a you were thing. You saying, and yeah, no, we, you don't have to explain yourself. Um... I get what you're saying. Um, you know, within the white community. <laughs> and you're a great you're a great spokesperson for great the white the white, white community. community. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um I have never found greasy hair attractive, so I don't know. I I have never been like I think I've always been like the cleaner your hair looks, the hotter you are to me. So if it looks like you've washed your hair that day, honey, you're one step ahead. I've never been the greasy haired, um, sexy moment. Unless it's like, it's like, like slicked back or something like that. But like, it's clear you've used hair product. You know what I mean? I don't mind that, but the sort of like I didn't I I have a, a my hair looks unwashed. No, that's not attractive to me. I remember in, I, this is like this is a long time ago, but I remember in high school having friends who would like talk about needing like a couple more days for their hair to get like for their hair to be a little greasier for it to look like what they wanted it to look like. Like wanting their hair to be a little greasy in order to create like a certain mood or a certain like moment and I always thought that was interesting because that was my experience but I knew that it was like it gave it a certain look so I understand what you mean so okay so with there's something called like second day hair where when you wash your hair it's almost like too clean and too polished so that if you go to sleep and wake up and style your hair. It's easier to style because it's sort of like there. It's not. It's not greasy, but it's not squeaky clean. So it's easier to get it to do what you want. It's like more malleable, I guess, in that Got sense. It. And um, but 
no, you shouldn't be able to look at second day hair and be like, that looks like somebody has not washed their hair. If that's the case, then like you should just wash your hair. <laughs> you know what that's, I mean? No, it's like that thing with sometimes I know people like white people get their hair cut and then they'll yes. be like, it's going to be like, I remember that blew my mind because black people like typically if we get our hair cut, like we mm-hmm. want it to look like it looks in that moment. Uh-huh. And we want it, and we it's only going to look that way for like two weeks, and then you got to right. go back. Mm-hmm. And like white people, it's like, oh, your hair cannot look like what you actually want it to look like for like six weeks, which is crazy. Well, to me. it depends. It depends. So I think for me, when I go get my hair done, I I have a very I have a very personal relationship with the person who does my hair, and so oh. she always does. She does. Screw that marriage. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I did not say sexual. Um, but no, I mean, Martina, shout out to Martina, Barbara and Barbara Salon. You were gyrating when you said her name, though, which is, I think, <laughs> part of why I was confused. <laughs> She's great hairstylist, and she always does what I want her to do. And, you know, like, I don't have to, like, I don't have to, like, wait for it to settle. But I think sometimes I have gotten haircuts in the past where it's like, oh, they took off too much. That's not what I wanted. I got to wait six weeks for it to you know, grow like a couple of centimeters so that it's like the length that I want. Or one of the things that I hate is when you go get your hair cut and then the stylist goes wild trying to style it for you. And it's like a way you would never wear your hair. And so you're like, I can't tell if this is a good haircut because I have to go home, wash my hair and start over and style it how I would style it because this is You're coming for me because of that time that you let me perm your hair. Well, you told me you wanted, you told me you wanted a quarter of a millimeter taken off and I put a perm on it <laughs> instead and yes. I gave you and a pulled like out a, clippers at one point or it was a permed cut. chili bowl is what I did and mm-hmm. I thought you were <laughs> serving um <laughs> Because when you went out in the street, the kids were gagging. Um, <laughs> but it was actually just vomit. <laughs> they were literally heat. They were literally dry heaving, um, which I should have <laughs> taken to mean that maybe things hadn't gone the way that we um, mm-hmm. would have wanted uh, yeah. them to have uh, gone. <laughs> but you know, that's what happens when you got that savage beauty. Um, oh, speaking of which, Rihanna's pregnant. Oh my God! I know I'm very, very excited in did a way that see? is maybe weird for a person that has no connection to her. Did you see that like serve that she had yesterday? That outfit that she wore? Out? Of course I did. Oh my God! Okay, do you watch Euphoria? No. Ugh. I need a younger audience sometimes, Brandon. <laughs> oh, I know it. I've been an old man since I've been an old man since I was five years old. I used to literally sit with my granddad and eat Werther's originals, like, and watch westerns. My granddad's favorite actor was John Wayne. Uh, I know. I'm Anyways. an old person. I've been an old person since I was since I was little. I'm, you know, I, know. I see these I see kids outside time. like like having too much fun, and I get annoyed. Like, oh my god, we had a conversation this weekend about what celebrity we think would be like, f- would come oh and god. hang out with us and like be able to like spend the night at our friend's house, which is like an hour and a half outside of Chicago. Um, and we were like, what celebrity do you think would like, would be willing to do that with us? And Brandon couldn't stop talking about old ladies he was like patty lapone glenn close and i was like i offer up adele and he 
absolutely could not let me have it. I, it wasn't that I couldn't <laughs> let you have it. It's that I don't think Adele would come and, and like have fun. I think Adele is, I think we've, I think she is too, she's too famous. That's like saying, that would be to me like saying Beyonce. No, because I think Adele is super famous, but I also think that she is like she, she's more down to earth than like she's a more down to earth. We than love, Beyonce, by the way, fun. we are not coming for Beyonce. No, absolutely, I will go to wherever Beyonce wants to go to hang out. I just don't think she's coming to our friends' like beautiful home, but like certainly more humble than what I don't Beyonce. See Beyonce is I don't see Beyonce like like I thought about this before because it's like I can't imagine Beyonce like walking up to like someone's like ranch style home and like <laughs> being like oh this is really nice your house <laughs> your house is the size of my foyer oh and then you're like two bathrooms and then you're like and then you're like oh really and she, and you're like well my house is like 2,000 square feet and she's like oh your house is a tenth of the size of my foyer <laughs> And it's like, that's what I imagine. And like you like offering to like take her like custom Balenciaga coat and her being like, it's probably better that I keep it all. And it's like, okay, like I don't dude. want it in the closet next to your like old navy trench coat. Yeah, it's like I'm good. I don't want our stuff to get confused with one another's. Speaking of which, by the way, our girl B, she got her Oscar nod, or she got another Oscar nomination. The Academy will not give her an Oscar, and I call conspiracy. Oh, I wow. want my girl to get her Oscar. I'm an. Oh, I mean, oh my god, I'm sorry. Go, we were like okay. going. Okay. Okay, say what you say, and then we have to get back to the movie, because this is a movie podcast. Dana, don't you dare. We both go on <laughs> tangents. The other thing I want to say is I want to give a special shout-out. Jane's a hater. I want to give a special shout-out to my girl, Fantasia Barrino, who's just been cast as Seely in the Color Purple movie. Yes, oh, really? it's going to happen. It's going to be iconic. So everybody get into the gig. My girl's about to do it. Now I'm done. That's good. I'm I, I'm glad for Fantasia. I am, as we've covered before, not a huge fan. Then don't ask me to stand for Kristen Stewart <laughs> if you can't stand for my girl, okay? I was just about to say, I want the best for her, and I hope she does I want the best well. for Kristen Stewart, too, and I hope no, she figures don't. it out as well. You told, you literally said this weekend, you said, I am never going to change my opinion on her or her work. And you are never going to change your opinion on America's American Idol, Season three. Look, but Burrito. I'm giving her credit. And I'll give out Kristen Stewart. She made a movie, and she put, she put that wig <laughs> on, and she probably works on that dialect. Oh so my God. I'm happy to see it. I'm sure it was peak mope. <laughs> peak mope. <laughs> Okay, speaking of hair, I'm going to bring it back. And watch this transition. You're going to be so impressed. Speaking of hair, I did have a feeling about uh, Julie Delpy's hair was a bit messy in this movie. And I thought that it's very realistic. But I thought... No, no, no. It, it didn't look bad, but it was just, like, kind of messy. And I guess maybe that was, like, the style at the time. And then I was like, I, I want your face to stop making that face. And I wish you guys could Not see you. It. You said something shady, and then you and then you said, no, no, no. And then you just expounded upon the shady point you already no, no. mentioned. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me, You're I, like, I thought her hair was a little bit unkempt. No, no, no. Let me finish. I thought that they didn't hire hairstyles to do her hair, and they essentially <laughs> took an umbrella pad and given her a noogie with it. And then I just thought I was like, beautiful white women. Drag can get her. Him. 
I, I'm not dragging her. I'm just saying beautiful white women can get away with that, and it bothers me. Is this your He's, first time in America? <laughs> no, I'm just beautiful pointing it out. Beautiful white women can get away with murder, with, literally. And with literally murder, absolutely. And I'm just calling it out. And maybe it's a murder of a hairstyle or a person. Uh, she, um, yeah, Julie Delpy, she's very beautiful. Gorgeous, um, stunning, incredible actor. Beautiful, yeah, I love the sound of her voice. No, she's very she's very lovely in the film. Mm-hmm. Very simple, very, very like understated. There's an easiness to her. I discovered that Dave just does not like Ethan Hawke. That was a discovery that we made. Mm. Um, he said during the movie at one point, when they were still on the train at the beginning of the movie, he said, ugh. He said, I hate Ethan, I hate Ethan Hawke speaking with authority about anything. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's half his career. Um, so um, can I can I can I read you my fifth note in? Mm. is a quote from my wife, Tara, and it reads as, I would never trust Ethan Hawke to do anything. (laughs) 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 Which is so funny to me. And like, it's so funny that they both said basically the same thing. That's hilarious, actually. Uh, Dave just said, I love you, T. Um, so uh, tell how you know that, t- that Jane and I married the same person without us telling you basically. the same person. Um, we both went deep. We both went deep in the in the Midwest. We got here from other places and we we found two of the most Midwest people we could find. And uh, we said. Put a ring on it. We said, put a ring on it. This is this is what we're doing. Um, and we love you both. Um, I, I totally, I, I feel like, okay, so when I was younger, I used to always get Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor confused. And How dare you? Cause you I know, know I love Ewan. I love, but I, I love Ewan McGregor too. I actually don't really have a problem with Ethan Hawke. He's a little okay, slick. I, He's a little slick sometimes. I don't me. have a problem with Ethan Hawke too, either. I, I will say when I, I actually since we've been doing this podcast have had to check myself because in my head I have been thinking that I don't like Ethan Hawke and that's Mm. not true that's not true I don't like what Ethan Hawke represents to me which is sort of the like the pretentious greasy haired poet you know um obnoxious hipster mansplainy cis het white guy and that's not his fault he's just like the sort of like picture of that for me from that era but like actually his work is quite good and i started this movie being like I I walked into this movie like, I'm not going to like this. This is going to be so pretentious. This is going to be so obnoxious. And as soon as as soon as it started, uh, my notes were like kind of roasting Ethan Hawke in the same way. I was like, oh, <laughs> looks like she's met the king of goatees and like shit like that about, you know, him first appearing on film. And he becomes so charming and so like particularly when he's going back and forth with her and she's challenging him. He hears her, which is like just one of the most important things about making this character likable and really turned me around within like the first 15 minutes. 
I agree with you. He's willing to be checked. And yes. I think that like, that's one of the things that sort of like gives like this sort of life to their relationship. And it happens in that moment that I mentioned earlier, um, when she sort of says, of course you don't speak any other languages. Um, mm-hmm. and he sort of takes that in and he, and he acknowledges it and he owns it. And mm-hmm. that was like a moment where I was like, okay, these two are good for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, there is that funny moment where like, it, they're like walking and then the the person offers to write the poem for them and it's like it'll <gasps> oh be inspired by like a word um <laughs> and and they give him the word of milkshake and then Ethan Hawke is like and then Ethan Hawke is like he probably just like he probably just adds that word in to you know an, an he, he just adds he just poem. takes whatever you give him and mm-hmm. he, I did I, I do have the poem and I'll read it for um everybody I'm oh did you want to do, do it no, oh. no, no. Oh, I mean, uh, please go ahead. Go for it. I, I will say during that moment when he was like, I, I that made me like him so much more, his response to that street poet. <laughs> oh, for sure. I agree. Yeah. Um, the poem is Daydream Delusion, Limousine mm. Eyelash. Oh, baby, with your pretty face, drop a tear in my wine glass. Look at those big <laughs> eyes. Mm. See what you mean to me. Mm-hmm. Sweet cakes. And milkshakes. I am a delusional angel. I am a fantasy parade. I want you to know what I think. Don't want you to guess anymore. You have no idea where I came from. You have no idea where we're going. Lodged in life. Like two branches in a river. Flowing downstream. Caught in the current. I'll carry you. You'll carry me. That's how it could be. Don't you know me? Don't you know me? By now. I made an artistic journey. I made yep. an artistic choice at a certain uh-huh. point because I know. So one thing about Jane, Jane hates. Okay, well, Jane hates a lot of things. But one thing that Jane <laughs> what, hates. What, you're, you're a picture of love? Please. Jane ahead. hates. I love people. I'm always. I'm tired of all the charity work I do. Um, I've been carrying Jane for 15 years. Um, but I, I know that J- Jane hates. Well, Jane hates scatting for one thing. She oh my god! Hates so an improvisational awful. scat. I'm not talking about Ella Fitzgerald. I'm talking about like no. rookie scatting. Exactly. Ella Fitzgerald, like any, anybody from like, you know, jazz icons, please scat to your heart's content. Jasmine Sullivan also. Oh, Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah. So if you're qualified to do it and do it well, please do it. I've also heard Yeba Yeba do it before too. And she understands the assignment always. Of course. Yeba has never not understood the assignment. That's what I'm talking about. Like if you have the chops to do it, please do it. But I cannot handle but anytime i scat for you you hate it (laughs) it's so it's so it it may it's like these made-up words that make me want to fucking die jane also hates beat poetry and that's why i made the pivot that i made (laughs) because that's my goal in life is always troubling the waters for her so that's not true i don't hate beat poetry i i hate a lot of it. it i hate a lot of it i don't hate all of it Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> Oppression. Oppression who? Oppression everyone whose face I've ever seen. America. It's me, your alarm clock. Wake the fuck up. Wake up. 
So when Brandon and I lived across the hall from each other, we just were together all the time. We were on the train together all the time, on the bus together all the time, at home together all the time. And Brandon's favorite thing to do is make up slam poetry on the spot a lot of times on public transit. This was like even like I don't even think we had like smartphones at the time so we were just like <laughs> while out on the train and it was always very very funny and very very bad you're, mm. <laughs> Ooh, you're touching me with your mm. you better not touch my no no unless I tell you yes yes <laughs> Why I is do. it so sexual? It was. I know. I was going to do... I was Before I added in the words, I was just going to do noises the whole time. So, like, <laughs> you better not touch my... Uh-uh. Unless I give you the... Oh, oh. <laughs> but... But you wanted to... You wanted to talk about enthusiastic verbal consent. And I I love that. a good... I love chatting about consent. Anytime <laughs> I hear no, it crawls up inside of me. And it, oh, I hated that. Oh, I'm God. Sorry. What does... On. What does? <laughs> um, uh, this is what I do to myself for yep. the listener. Yep. Um, Absolutely never edit that out ever. Okay. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> so, um, and then, so this movie also, I loved like the way that like, she initiated like these sort of like romantic moments as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and, yes. on, and honestly, in the movie Kissing, it was like, I was thinking, do they fucking like the kissing <laughs> was like very, like, it was very passionate and like yeah. it didn't make me cringe. And sometimes, a lot of times, movie kisses make me be like, all right, that's enough, guys. But these kisses were like, they felt very like authentic. And mm-hmm. I was pulled in in that moment on the Ferris wheel, you know? Oh my like, God, it was so sweet and so romantic. And I love the fact that like, and I think, I mean, I didn't read this, but um, I, I think it, you could at least tell the very clear choice to have her initiating these things. Absolutely. Being a young woman with a young man you don't know all around the city at all hours of the night, that can be a really threatening scenario. And so I really liked that, like, as a viewer, it just made me feel safer. And I think, like, we needed to feel safe with the Jesse character. I think maybe that's one of the things that's helped the movie age well, was the agency that her character was given. Because she always was the one who was in the position to stop things Mm -hmm. and to say, like, this is, you know, this maybe has gone too far. I'm not willing to go any further than this. And you're Mm -hmm. right. I did appreciate that because I felt like it helped me be able to trust him. And and also it, it helped me to understand, like, the intentions, you know? Yes. And and I when they were in the park and they were lying down, and it was dark, mm-hmm. dark and they were kissing and she was just like, I just I, I, I don't want to have sex. Like, I don't I don't think I can have sex. And he was like, it's OK. It's OK. You know, and like was reassuring in that moment again, like. Uh, clearly he wanted to have sex with her but I was also thinking like where the hell are y'all gonna have sex you're outside <laughs> like did you watch I, House of, did you watch House of Wax Ma <laughs> when Paris Hilton and what's his name Ray Ricard the two of them when they get yeah. on after the cover, she was literally she was in a pool of body parts and mm-hmm. she pulled her mm-hmm. she was in the pool of decaying body parts and she came out of it and he was like we fucking like, what? what we doing it? At least they were in a car, though, weren't they? In a car? No, they were in a tent. Oh, they were in a tent. Even still, that's enclosed. I would have been. I'd like. Where were they gonna have sex, though? 
I don't know. It was just, it was a lot. I think in the tent. Oh, you mean in this movie? In this movie. I think movie, they were right? just going to do it there, and it was, he was going to be on his back, and she was going to climb up there, and you know. I guess so. I, I mean, that's I, all you can do. That's all you can do. And and again, I'm thinking about myself at, you know, 23. I hate maybe. that I just said, and maybe she was going to climb up there. I, I hate know. that. I hated it, too. So crass. I mean... I definitely no whatever. Let's not. Um. Um, but but yeah, those moments. I agree with you. I I really I loved those moments too. It was also funny because I said this to Dave towards the end of the movie. We were talking about like I, I was like I love that like there's no room in this sort of like I, I described this whole night as like a wrinkle in time, and I mm-hmm. and I thought the whole movie just felt like this sort of like. This I know you hate this word, but it felt like this sliver, sort of, of like, <laughs> of like stolen, like of like stolen time, where it was yeah. like you just get this little bit of a moment, like a flicker, where it's like mm-hmm. you exist almost in this alternate universe, where it's like you can give whatever name you want to give, you can share mm-hmm. whatever profession you want to share, and like it, those moments, it was so funny where they would talk about like their their breakups or like the relationships that didn't work out because it felt so practical, yeah. and this felt like it was it was bigger than that so in those moments where they would sort of discuss like the the tediousness of like a breakup with a person and it's like in my mind it's like you think to yourself like but nobody exists but you two like those people exist in this world like you've carved out out this space for yourself breakups didn't don't exist like this is you are living in like the apotheosis of like of like meaningful like love and interchange right now like there's no room for like you know a breakup where you cried over like while eating pizza and drink wine like that's that's mm-hmm. muggle shit like you're yeah. like you're operating on like a different wavelength now yes like, it, and it's so, so that was nice. it's that magical moment where you meet someone and that connection is so intense and so deep that everything else you're like I thought I was in love before that's crazy talk this is everything and what we had before what i had before was child's play it's not even meant it doesn't even deserve honorable mention and so that is that is absolutely um this moment this night this evening and it's like when they're sitting there on that on that ferry or I, I, I think it's a ferry or a boat or something Mm -hmm. like that and they're like i don't want to say goodbye tomorrow and they're like, we should just say goodbye now so that we don't have to do it tomorrow. And it's like, everything is just like peak fucking romantic. And I always mm-hmm. think about like, God, would I be able to be that smooth in that moment and think of those like really romantic things? Well, I feel moments like that because I hate goodbyes so much. And I oh hate, my God. I hate the endings of things so much. Yeah. I mean, when I was a child, I think about the way that I started. I would start loathing, like when my weekend would start, mm-hmm. I would start like starting at the like the end of Friday. I would come home from school. Pizza night was always Friday night. It was always a TGIF. It was just the most glorious mm-hmm. time in the world. The two most glorious times in the world for me, I've said this before, but when Mike would come home and my mother would make breakfast for dinner, I don't mm. know why it has such a special place in my heart, but walking in the so door and yummy. smelling pink, it's because I was never a morning person. And so yes. I could never really enjoy breakfast in the morning, but I loved breakfast food. Mm-hmm. And it was like the perfect sort of negotiation. But when I would come home and I would smell like pancakes being cooked and like bacon at like 
five and it was like oh my god she she sees me like she gets Mm -hmm. me like those moments and then like friday nights School mm-hmm. is done, but like mm. the end of Friday night before I would pass out, I would have a moment where I'd be like, oh no, but then it's Saturday and then it's <laughs> Sunday and then I'm back at school. And so all Sunday was spent in church, BT dub. So that's a stolen oh, day too. That's a, so, that's so unfair. That so is it's so just unfair. like, <laughs> that's like my sister famously, like as she has gotten better about this, but like, on Christmas Eve, she'd be like, Christmas is basically over. And it's like, girl, can we enjoy it? I, I feel you and I see you, Georgia. I, I'm that type of person too. I'm like, I want to, that's a part of why I think I'm so like stringent when it comes to like opening presents early because mm-hmm. it's like, no, the, the magic is that. And when we start opening presents, I'm already sad. I never share that, <laughs> but I'm already feeling sad opening presents in that moment because I know that it's like over. And there's always this like, when I'm done opening presents there's always this feeling of like sadness that almost like over, like overtakes me and I have to like check it but like I know that it is the result of like it's not the presence it's of just course. what they, it's, it's, it's just, just what like they it's represent. done the, it's, anti- the thing the anticipation is over and, and that is really the best part it's so and it's so yeah the anticipation the build up that's all like the, my favorite part and like the ritual of it and the, and the songs and the decorating and the smells like mm-hmm. the pine and that's what I love so it's like yeah. when that's when it's like when we're doing it it's just like ugh, this is done now oh no so I have that very much so in those moments I feel myself like identifying with them I I can only imagine because this really special moment and like travel days always suck because it's like I don't want to like I don't want to fly back at five o'clock in the afternoon it's the days I the whole day I'm gonna if we do anything all I'm be thinking about is making that flight and Mm -hmm. also all I'm be thinking about is the fact that we're done and we're just pretending like we're still on vacation so it's like (laughs) I totally like that's why I'm like I just want to go home at 5 a.m. because it's like I don't want to pretend here anymore I might as well get back home so I can clean the cat litter like oh my god just it's so that so I totally felt them in those moments when they were like no like let's just get this out of the way because I I Mm -hmm. hate goodbyes I I do goodbyes are so painful and particularly it's like uh, well yeah they're really painful and also they had made this pact we aren't gonna this is it this is one night and you find at the end obviously that they decide they're going to meet in six months at the and I was like they're at the train station they're saying goodbye and they're like six months at platform seven on you know December 16th or whatever it was and I was like is someone gonna write this down like and like maybe just maybe exchange a phone number and I know that that some of the romantic you know the romance out of it of course but um you know me being practical and me being like this is so great why would you want to give up on this already and that that inner struggle of deciding whether to keep this moment as perfect as it is or continue it and possibly burst this incredible bubble that you've created and find out things about each other that you don't necessarily love which is you know you can't ever have both of those things 
you can't have that. You can't have the unpredictable excitement in that newness, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that comes. But also with that, you don't have security and you don't have a solid right. foundation. So it's like, you know, let it be the magical thing that it is. But I feel you because one of the things that I think they acted the most beautifully was the goodbye. Yeah, like way, so like good. I could feel it. I could feel that. I was in pain. Yeah, it's like that feeling. They were like vibrating. Like you can, you could yeah. see sort of the, you could see the the feelings that were churning up in the two of them, not wanting to say too much, not wanting to say too little, mm-hmm. and you know, not wanting to show all your cards, which was another theme of the movie. There were these yeah. really sweet moments where like one of them would say something and it created like an environment and it gave the permission to the other person to to truly make contact with those feelings within themselves and mm-hmm. it was um it was really nice and it felt really human and it felt like there's no win and there's no lose there's just decisions and we just make right. the ones that we make and the and we just take the paths that we take but mm-hmm. to not take this wouldn't be to make the wrong decision it would just to be to make a different decision and a different decision yeah so Oh, man, it was, you know, I have to give a shout out to my brother-in-law because I want to, he's been, um, people recommend movies for us to do all the time. And so we, Brandon and I have our, our growing lists for each other. And this has been on the list for a while, but, you know, so have a bunch of other ones. And he <laughs> has been like, what are you going to do before sunset? What are you going to do before sun, or sorry, before sunrise? And I've been like, yeah, yeah, it's on the list, it's on the list, it's on the list. And he started getting mad at me. He's like, do my damn movie. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 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 I will do it. I will do it. And so that's, I moved it up in my list for sure. And let me say that, like, I am just so glad that I moved it up. I mean, I would have been happy to do this whenever, but... I also think this is one of the most interesting conversations you and I have had about a movie because we've just talked about so many different things. We kind of, I think we kind of did what they did. We kind of yes. like yeah, we kind of we've had our having, own before sunrise. We had our own before before sunrise, Jane, in our apartments while it is freezing outside in yeah, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, and um, you know, there's not necessarily heat between us romantically, but there's definitely a connection. <laughs> There's always a coldness. Uh, I, there's I, always I, a coldness coming from your heart, but um, you too, I, do wanna, I do want to. I do want to, and I, I should have known because my my brother in law Steve, he's a professor, and he is a great facilitator of conversations. Even when we're just hanging out, he thinks he asks very thoughtful questions and all that kind of stuff. So is he as good as is he as good as Sean? Sean loves asking. A prov- a <laughs> Sean loves question, asking thoughtful. Dropping questions. a nugget into the group and letting us go crazy, <laughs> and then us being like. Like, what do you think? And then he's like, oh, I don't know. I haven't thought oh, I hadn't really prepared an answer. I'd never answer. I'd never answer a question that bold. It's like, oh, wow. It's like he lets all of us answer, talk like for hours and then will not respond or be like, oh, I don't know. I I, I have to really think on this. That's a crazy question to ask in, in a group like this. That's just going to create a lot of dissension, I think. Um, But. No, thank for you, real. Steve. Thank you, Steve. We and and I mean, obviously, this is the first of three, so we'll we'll. I, I'm so excited to finish out the series because I was I so happens. pleasantly surprised in in liking this movie as much as I did. And I, I know that sounds like an ending, but we can continue to talk if you. <laughs> no, that's great. Like, I no, just, I think that's a perfect yeah. ending. Okay, awesome. Well, I guess I will ask the classic question. Would you watch this movie again? 
You know, I didn't know at the beginning of this episode, but through our conversation, mm-hmm. I will say, yeah, I would. Yeah, me too. 100%. Cool. And do you have a movie for us to watch next week? Oh, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be watching uh, another classic film um, that you've never heard of before, but you're already, I can tell you, you're going to love it. Ooh. It is a movie called The Ritz from 1976. Oh, well, we're going way back. The Ritz, 1976. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've literally never heard of it. Um, fun. I can't wait to do it. Um, I have no idea. No idea what I'm getting myself into. It'll be good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to us. We hope um, you enjoy the combo. Um, we hope you enjoy the movie Boy, Before Sunrise. It was a good one. Um, if you want to hear more from us inexplicably, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. And you can follow us on Twitter at MWM Chat. And we will see you next week for The Ritz. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Sound like Aaron Neville. Uh, what was it? What is it? Oh, no, damn it. I don't know much, but I know how I you. And that may be <sighs> all I need to know. I love chatting about consent. Anytime I hear no, it crawls up inside of me.